This is Heather, and you're listening to Let's Go There. Welcome back, guys. I'm so excited for you to be joining me back on Let's Go There. I started this podcast because I felt like God was leading me to share my own story and to help facilitate conversations about hard things that people go through but don't necessarily talk about. In the last episode, I told you about my own story with infertility and miscarriage, and today I'm interviewing a friend who also struggled through infertility and ended up having two boys through in vitro fertilization, or IVF. She has an amazing story of how God was close to her and brought her through her journey of trying to have children, and you do not want to miss it. As a public service announcement to those of you who are going through your own journey with infertility, and this might be a sore spot, please, please be kind to yourself and choose a good time to listen to this episode. Now let's listen to my conversation about IVF with Brandy Wilson. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to my podcast. I just wanted to thank you for coming. And if you want to start out by telling me your name and a little bit about yourself, we'll get started. Okay. My name is Randy Wilson. I was born and raised here in Huntsville, Alabama. Went to Buckhorn High School, uh, then went to UNA. I'm now a teacher. And... um, I met my husband at UNA, and he was also a teacher. I've been teaching third grade. This will be my 15th year, and my husband is now an assistant principal in Madison City. It's exciting. All right. And I also went to UNA, so alumni there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your journey when you started trying to get pregnant. Okay, so we started trying to get pregnant in... 2010, I believe. We got married in 2008. Um, We decided to start our family in 2010. I went into it knowing, not knowing, but afraid that I would have trouble Mm -hmm. getting pregnant. My mom's side of the family had had issues, um, including my mom. I'm an only child. She never, you know, sought fertility treatments or anything like that, but it just took them a long time to have me. I had another aunt who did fertility treatments in Birmingham Mm -hmm. and had one child and another aunt who ended up having to adopt. So I knew going into it, I feel like God was preparing me that it may be a difficult journey, but in 2010, we were ready to start. So we started trying on our own, went probably half a year or so, uh, told our OB she eventually put us on some fertility meds and monitored us monthly. And I can't remember exactly. Now I'm thinking about this. This was 11 years ago. <laughs> so I was trying to remember exact details. But I think it was almost a full year, including her monitoring us on the basic fertility med right. that we were referred to a fertility specialist. So it was December 2010. We had our first like consultation. Right. And with her monitoring me, the blood work showed some months I ovulated, some months I didn't. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't always, you know, bad news, but it was Just harder. Yeah. Yeah. So she watched us that way. And then at that point, there's nothing more she could do. Mm -hmm. So she referred us to our fertility specialist. So when you went to the specialist, did they do give you any sort of diagnosis or they just kind of waited and see how did that work? So... We met with him, and he kind of explained the whole process. Mm -hmm. Like, this is where we start, and worst case, this is where we end up. 
So, of course, you know, you're hoping, well, hope I don't ever get to the worst right. case. Um, but he started with initial testing that um, the OB didn't do. So, we checked tubes. Um, my tubes were clear. Checked my husband's sperm. It was great. Um, then, he gave me an additional fertility med. And after three months of nothing, then we did a laparoscopic surgery. So he checked me for endometriosis, mm -hmm. did not have that. I had a little bit of scar tissue, not really sure what that was from, that he removed. But there was nothing, there was no specific thing that, oh, well, this is what's wrong with you. Right. Because I think that's what I, in a weird way, that's what I wanted to hear. Right. Because then you know. Yeah. Like so how to deal with it. Yeah, let's fix it. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, this is, okay, well, we'll give you this and it'll fix it. But there was nothing, there was no diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Like, all my labs looked good. Um, they never had an instant where they saw that I wasn't ovulating. Because mm -hmm. when you go to a fertility specialist, if you've been, it's intensive. Mm -hmm. And you go multiple, multiple times, like, those people... You see them weekly, right. and you get to know them. But there was never like, oh, okay, you have this, and we're going to do this. Right. It was, that was... Just a trial and error yeah. the whole time, yeah. And it was frustrating, because I wanted a diagnosis in right. a weird... Yeah. I know that might sound well, really I mean, strange. Just, just to, like, define it and yes. give it something specific that you, like... <laughs> yes. You know what it is makes it easier, mm -hmm. but... Absolutely, but... Yeah, there was no diagnosis. I think when I, um, at one point I asked, what, mm -hmm. what's wrong with me? And they're like, well, we can't, we don't really know. Right. So I think they coded it on my chart as like ovulatory dysfunction. And she's mm -hmm. like, that's the phrase we use. When they don't know. When we don't know. I think there's a lot of, obviously, different reasons that people can be, have infertility issues. Like mine, I had PCOS. Mm -hmm. And I think mine was just my body didn't release mature right. eggs. So, like, sometimes I was ovulating. Sometimes they were forming cysts. Right. But I think it's hard not knowing mm -hmm. the reason behind it. But at the same time, you still continue with treatment. And mm -hmm. how long did that part take and up until, so, like, how did that progress? I guess we really officially started the process January 2011. And by that summer, it was not just try on your own. Mm -hmm. It was the IUI, which is the, um, you know, where they're taking sperm and... Um, the intrauterine yes. insemination? Yes. Isn't that what that stands for? Okay. Yes, it is. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we started that in the summer. So my mindset was, oh, well... They're putting the sperm right yeah. there. It's you know? got a better chance. Yeah, like, <laughs> we're going to get pregnant. Like, this is it. And I think my insurance actually covered that part. Mm -hmm. um, you can have eight, under my insurance, eight attempts of an mm -hmm. IUI. And we had seven. And there was never a, a positive pregnancy test. Mm -hmm. There was never... You know, it's not like I got pregnant and miscarried. It's I never Just got never pregnant. Got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And blood work was showing, and ultrasounds were showing that my eggs were maturing on the med. Yeah. yeah, it's not like my eggs weren't from the meds. They were being pumped up, ready to go. Right. You know, and there was still no pregnancy. Hmm. So on number seven, it was sometime right before the holidays. I think of that year. 
I just told my husband, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, so we stopped then and because basically the next step is in vitro. Right. So we Which knew. Which like the expensive. Yeah. It's, it's the end all. Like that's yeah. the last, not, I wouldn't say the last option. There are other options, but, um, it's very expensive and mm-hmm. we knew that. So we just kind of stopped and I just told him, I said, I need a mental break. Mm-hmm. And we um, started saving. <laughs> yeah. So that was the end of 2011. So we... said a whole year of... Yeah. A whole year of the trial and the, error. Yeah, trial and error. Trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. How hard was it to keep trying even after so many failed attempts? I feel like at first it wasn't that hard because I just wanted to get pregnant. Right. And then the more we did it became harder because you are, you know, pumping yourself full of hormones. Right. And it's just a very, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's exhausting. Um, but I just, I just wanted to keep going until I couldn't go. I feel like when I hit number seven, mm-hmm. I just, it's like, okay, this is not, I, I this is not going to work. I need a break right now because I can't go through this anymore. Cause it was literally like, a roller coaster of emotions Mm -hmm. and so as we got towards you know five six seven yeah it was extremely hard and nobody can really um relate i guess unless they've done it and you know people try to encourage you and don't give up faith and and it's not that you're giving up faith it's just that you're so tired right you're so tired of having to do it all did you have anybody that you could you that went through it that you could talk to about it or was it just kind of a you were on your own I was pretty much on my own um I had a lady from church who um we worked in the nursery together Mm -hmm. and she had had issues and you know had tried but you know her circumstance was different and she couldn't even get to the point where I was Mm -hmm. so she you know she knew she could relate but as far as like close friends I was the only one at that point really I guess I was the first to try to attempt to even have kids right and so no there was I felt really alone like people that I was closest to knew but I didn't tell a lot of people right so yeah I was very much felt like I was doing it by myself Mm -hmm. and I couldn't I wish I had had someone to say you know I've been through this I know what it's like I know what you're feeling but no one had truly been through what I was going through at that point no one that I knew right right so how did you see God during that time I saw God as the person that I could run to (laughs) because there you can tell your friends and family Mm -hmm. but if they're not they weren't going through it so they couldn't fully understand right and I felt like he was who I had to turn to like he is who I let it all out to and you know he provided in so many ways um when I went to the fertility specialist I was nervous as anything Mm -hmm. and just simple things that I feel like wow okay God lined that up when I walked into the fertility specialist for my first appointment my nurse was somebody from church. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't even know she worked there. Didn't even know she worked in that area of mm-hmm. nursing. So things like that, I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you know, like, I know her. And she was like, you know, if you're not comfortable, maybe I'm like, no, I am very comfortable. <laughs> I need you to be my nurse. Just things like that. And just, he just worked through, like, financially. Mm-hmm. We were able to save and use some of our savings. And I remember, like, putting down the down payment. And it was like our income tax came back. And it was almost to the exact wow. cent. And I was like, okay, yeah, okay, God, thank you. That's a sign that we are where we're supposed to be and we are doing what we're supposed to do. Just encourage anybody going through it to just lean on him because that's the only thing that got me through. Mm -hmm. I don't know how people go through. I definitely don't either. Any of this. I mean, mine didn't even go as far as yours. Mine was, you know, I just had to take Clomid and I lost one, but... Even after that, I couldn't understand how people would go through that. No. Without having God and without having that. I mean, there's the comforter. He is the comforter. He is the Prince of Peace. Like, yes. Without that in my life, there's no way that I could have gone through that. Mm-mm. Me neither. How did you see your faith grow during that time? Could you see it at the time or was it more of like a, you noticed after the fact, like after you had gone through it? I think it was probably more... So afterwards, mm-hmm. just because I could see where I started and where it ended. And I don't mean that because, oh, it ended in a pregnancy. Right. Just that there were so many things that, you know, I grew from it, mm-hmm. you know, and I wasn't, my faith got stronger because, I mean, you know, he took me through all that. And mm-hmm. yes, it was a lot, but. I think it was more of looking back and seeing the whole picture because mm-hmm. it was hard to see when you were in it. Right. Even though, like, you went to God for comfort and stuff, it was very hard in the middle of it. Let's talk about IVF. You started it and give, like, a brief overview of kind of how that went. So we started, it was the summer of 2012, and we started um, injections. You have to do all these things to get your body ready. Mm-hmm. Um, you are injecting with hormones and it's like nightly daily you know if you have to take a shot it might be at a certain time every day Mm -hmm. so you go through all that and then they do the egg retrieval so basically they go in and extract your eggs the ones that are mature and then they call and they give you an update of how many eggs they retrieved so the first go around with my son cooper um, i believe i had I want to say they extracted 18, but 11 were fertilized. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> we laugh about this now. Me and my husband were like, oh my gosh, we're going to have 11 kids. <laughs> you know? Like, 11? Like, his mouth dropped. Like, what? 11? Um, but there's a very complicated process that they right. watch these eggs and um, these embryos. I'm sorry. These fertilized embryos. And basically... A lot of times they don't make it. Mm-hmm. They die off, and I think it was like a five to seven day period where they watched them. So we had 11 eggs, and by the time it was time for implantation, there were five. And we had discussed that I was a candidate for one embryo transfer. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have any risk factors. You know, if everything looked good, we would implant one. Um, and when we went the morning of, when the doctor came in, he had 
two photographs. Mm-hmm. And he said, I know I said one, but you have two that are good quality. I wouldn't say great quality, right. but they're good quality. And the other three, they're not as good. So I suggest we implant two. So instantly I'm like, ooh, <laughs> are you <laughs> sure? <terrifying>. No. <laughs> no, I was like, yes, 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 yes. And I think my husband was a little terrified. Um, so we implanted two. We actually had planned it to where we implanted on a Saturday and Sunday. We took off to the beach because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm a worrier. And I thought if I have to sit at home in my house, right, yeah. I'm going to think about this nonstop. So we went to the beach and my nurse called later that week and said, I just want you to know that the remaining three embryos are gone. They all, mm-hmm. they, they dissolved. So in that, I'll never forget that moment because, God, it was, it's like, okay. Like, I, I, I don't think like I've. these two were your last hope. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is it. Yeah. Like, okay, God, like please you know talking about begging and crying out to god like this is it if these two don't work then i'm not getting pregnant i'm not having a baby so and then we didn't have to worry about having all these extra babies and all this (laughs) because there weren't any so um i found out i believe it's a two-week wait so two weeks later you can take a pregnancy test but i had quit spending money on pregnancy tests i did not take anything before going to the fertility doctor i wanted to know then because it became a waste of money, and I mm-hmm. just didn't want to do it. It was very discouraging to me. I just would rather find out from the doctor. Right. So my blood work came back that I was pregnant. And so then it's the, well, is it one or two? Right. <laughs> so when we went to our first ultrasound, there was one baby and one heartbeat. And that's now my eight-year-old. Oh, my goodness. So when you got pregnant and you realized that you were pregnant with, with Cooper, how did that feel? Like, were you excited? Was there any fear? I was so excited. There was fear, but in a way, I was, it was overshadowed. Like, I was so excited to finally be pregnant mm-hmm. that I don't think I even let myself immediately go to all the fears. Right. I'm not saying I wasn't scared at all because I was, but I was just so blissfully happy because I didn't know at that point if I was ever going to get pregnant. Right. So when that positive, t- you know, when they said yes, the joy that was there at that moment was not overtaken by fear. Now, yes, in the weeks to come, right. I, I was more scared. And when you get released from your fertility specialist, you go to your OB. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, oh, when you get to your OB, you know, you'll never, you, you'll only get ultrasounds every, you know, right, six weeks or whatever. You know, you don't get them that much. And that's when I got scared. Because at the For fertility sure. specialist, you got to see every, every week. Yeah. But luckily, my OB knew everything I'd been through, and she'd be like, let's sneak back there and get it. <laughs> yes. So I saw him more than most people would, and those ultrasounds made me feel a lot better. Yeah. Were there any higher risk doing in vitro than, like, a typical pregnancy? Um, yes, they did say, you know, that there were risks. But, I mean, I don't remember anything being, like, major mm-hmm. scary. But yes, they, you know, they immediately took him and like, I mean, they examined every baby. Right. But, you know, there was more risk of, I can't even remember the exact things, but, you know, they said, you know, we will monitor him very closely. And luckily my OB actually had twins through IVF as well. Right. So I felt like she was very experienced. Oh, and I bet she had a lot of 
yes. compassion yes. And, and understanding towards that. Mm-hmm. And she had actually went to the same fertility specialist that she sent me to. Mm-hmm. She's like, this is how, <laughs> this man is responsible for my twins. And I'm like, okay, that makes me feel better. Do you think that going through infertility and having to get like IVF, did that change your view on children? Because God's word says, you know, children are a blessing from God. All parents are going to love their children. But do you, do you feel like you have a deeper like understanding of that? Yes, because I think IVF, just the whole process showed me that, I mean, I know everybody says kids are miracles, mm-hmm. babies are miracles. They are. But until you realize that you can do science-wise everything, everything correctly yeah, and everything can look perfect on ultrasounds and blood work and things like that. But it's like a million and one little things that yeah. have to line up perfectly and that it's only that God, of life yes, that only God can bring. Only God can do that, and yes, you see other people, and they don't. I don't feel like I feel like now that I don't take that lightly at right. all. I don't think I ever did, but especially after this, just right. knowing all these millions of things that have to be absolutely perfect in order to conceive. I mean, it's it's mind blowing. It's unbelievable. So, yes, it is children, babies, truly are a miracle. So, you went through IVF with your first one. Mm-hmm. How did it go with your second one? So, my second one, honestly, I didn't even know. I didn't even think I would have a second one. Mm-hmm. I literally I struggled with that because I sort of kind of got the want to have another child, and then I felt guilty. And yeah. I know you're probably thinking, what? You felt guilty. I felt guilty because it was like, I prayed for so long, and I asked God for this miracle, and I got it. Mm-hmm. So that's selfish of me to ask for another for more, one. Yeah. Yeah. And so for a long time, I didn't think that I would have another one. But then I feel like he did put it back on my heart to have another one. And I knew my son was approaching school age, and, you know, it's a lot going to the fertility specialist and these right. appointments. Yeah. and Well, especially being a teacher, too. Yes, and I mean, being a teacher. You'd have to schedule it, like, like in the summer probably yes just to be able to do it exactly so it's not like I and I had asked my doctor mm-hmm. you know if I want another one at what point do we begin and he was like you begin at IVF mm-hmm. because you know if that everything before yeah. you're older you know all these things are factors and that can all affect you so um when we did decide exactly we're both teachers mm-hmm. so or in education so we started in um summer so we had to plan for that. First of all, it's a lot, and I wasn't sure I wanted to do it. Right, no, yeah. <laughs> but I, God, I really feel like God laid it on my heart. Like, no, you can do this again, and I will be there with you through it all again. So I just thought if I didn't try, I would regret not mm-hmm. trying. So um, we started in summer of, I think, 2017. Um, went right straight to IVF. Had the egg retrieval. I was five years older. Mm-hmm. When we started the process, remarkably by a miracle of God, my egg count, like retrieval wise, was mm-hmm. more. Wow. I was like, can you please explain that to me? <laughs> yeah, that's not common. No, and they could not explain that. I had the overall quality of them were better. I had more. I had seven. The last mm-hmm. time I had had five, and these all looked better than the last five I right. had. I thought, when, I, when we had that news, I thought, okay, this, this is going to be easy. You know, right. got this. <laughs> and God said, mm, you hold up, you trust me, because 
it's not going to be easy. We, I went straight for two because I had two implanted the first time and only got one baby. Mm -hmm. So we implanted two the first time. They called with my blood work. I was pregnant, but they're like, we want you to be very cautious. The numbers are extremely low. Right. Not that it can't come to full term, but right now we're just really Mm -hmm. cautious. So I went for blood work and blood work and... They're like, okay, it's going up, it's going up, and it started multiplying, you know, going up two or three times. So I said, okay, is the doctor confident with this? They're like, yes, he's feeling good about this. We went, this was August of 2017, we went in for our first ultrasound, and there was a sac, and you could see the embryo, but there was no heartbeat. Mm. And that was a moment I'll never forget. (laughs) Um... So, it took my body. I'd never had a miscarriage. I'd only been pregnant once. It took my body a while to kind of come down from that. I didn't realize with a miscarriage, like, how it has to dissolve and, like, go. Your body has to get back to baseline before you can do anything. So, that actually took a while. There was a lot of family things going on as well. Mm -hmm. Right after we went back to start in vitro, uh, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with cancer. And so I was like, you know, I've got to be pregnant with this baby for her. Right. So losing that first one was extremely hard. Then we implanted two more in October. Was that out of the same? Same, yes. Same same egg retrieval. retrieval? Yeah, we got seven. So an egg retrieval is a lot. So I knew that this was it. Right. I'm not doing this again. In October, we implanted two other embryos and got the word that I was not pregnant. Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing took. It's not like I miscarried. Wasn't pregnant. So once again, I needed a break. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't do this. We have some more. I know, but I can't do this again right now. Because it was so boom, 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 boom. Right. And everything happening. And it was just You crazy. have to take medicine before they implant too, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, I would have to take shots. So that would make your hormones crazy. Oh, yeah. Just like it did with the egg retrieval. Yes. I'm taking injections getting my uterus prepped, basically. Mm-hmm. So, Yes. Then we took a break. Our last retrieval. Once again, I felt like I was taken back to that time with Cooper when mm-hmm. it was like, okay, this is it. And it was literally it. Like, okay, Lord, if, if I'm going to get pregnant, like, you have to do this. There's no other chance. There's no other way. I had three embryos left. And we implanted them in March of 2018. Blood work said I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. You go for blood work three or four times before ultrasound. The blood work was jumping up mm-hmm. high. And I was like, so you may have multiples. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so we get to the first ultrasound, and it's twins. Mm-hmm. There's two babies. And I would, you would think I would be excited. I was excited, but that day we were actually going to tell Cooper that I was pregnant. Right. And when I saw the two, I looked at my husband. It, it, was, it was the weirdest thing. It's like God came over me. It was like this calmness to where I didn't get so so excited right and the nurse left and I looked at my husband and I said we can't tell him yeah he was like we can't I'm like no we can't tell him it's like it's almost like God prepared me right then like I don't that might sound awful that I knew but it's almost like I knew right that there weren't gonna be two the next time and so when we went in for the next ultrasound uh, baby A didn't have a heartbeat mm-hmm. and that's that's weird I had heard of right. one person yeah. that um, there was actually a girl at church that had 
I've gotten pregnant with twins and lost one of them. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole nother thing that you actually still carry. That was emotional because you're still carrying that baby and right. it takes... Because your body won't expel it. No. Because you're still carrying the other one. Yeah. So they caught the disappearing twin and it just mm-hmm. eventually... But when I was going for all these ultrasounds, it was you still there. Still see it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So that was that emotional. Yeah. yeah. I was excited that I was pregnant. Obviously sad because I lost that one. It was a rough year. It was just a rough year between mm-hmm. all that and family issues. Um, I made it about nine weeks and did not realize I had been exposed to fifth disease. Hmm. Now what is fifth disease? So, usually, it affects children. Right. And it's where their little cheeks will turn red. It looks like somebody slapped their cheeks. It's yeah. like red cheek syndrome, something. Mm-hmm. Um, my son got it. Mm-hmm. And so, I thought that I got it from him. Well, it turns out, I think I gave it to him. Really? Being a teacher, who knows yeah, you're exposed to everything. where I was exposed. It doesn't affect adults like it does kids. Mm-hmm. And by the time you break out on your face, you're already past contagious, you know, right, like yeah. it's already. So, um, I had had a rash on my leg at my last fertility specialist appointment and I showed him and, you know, he talked about something called pups. Have you ever heard of that? I feel like I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. It's like a pregnancy condition that normally happens at the end Yeah. where you like get a rash and you like, it's really bad. Yeah. yeah. But he was like, I'm, it doesn't look like that. And I equated it to changing I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. Hormones like, are crazy. Yeah. Like, so, I thought, I did a new body wash or something. So I was yeah. like, oh, that's probably what it was. No, it was fist. <laughs> so, from there, I say that because with Cooper, I really wasn't terrified of being pregnant. Mm-hmm. With Red, I was terrified. Mm-hmm. Because here, I've already lost his twin, diagnosed with fist. So, now I'm going to a maternal fetal specialist. Twice, no, sorry. Every other week, I'm uh-huh. going to the specialist and the first time he sat down with me he basically said you can lose your baby wow and it was just heartbreaking and so they basically they look for a blood vessel in the brain of the developing fetus Mm -hmm. and if somehow if the blood vessel is a certain way they can tell that the fist has made it to the baby baby. and the baby won't survive Probably not even to birth, but if it does, then it's not going to live long. After. Yeah. So, that's probably the most terrified. But, praise the Lord, I went to every appointment, and at 25 weeks, I think, they released me. Wow. And they're like, everything on the ultrasounds look good. I'll never forget when we left that appointment where he released me. Mm-hmm. We were coming home, and... There was a song on the radio, and of course, I just blanked on what it's called. Oh, gosh. I can't remember. (laughs) But anyways, it was a great (laughs) inspirational song. And I was coming down Chapman Mountain, and there was this, I swear, the biggest rainbow I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, at that moment, that was, to me, that was God telling me, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. This baby's going to make it to full term, and it's going to be okay. That's amazing. Yeah. What do you think you learned about God throughout all of that like both pregnancies losing a child all of it just that he is the ultimate comforter and that when I didn't have the words to pray because I was so mentally and physically 
worn down. Mm-hmm. He knew the desires of my heart, and he knew how I was feeling, and that he took it all in, you know? He's the one that comforted me, and like we said at the beginning, like, I don't know how I would have made it through. Right. And that's one of the verses that I kind of clung to with mine was, like, God is near to the brokenhearted. And then mm-hmm. there's another one that basically the Holy Spirit prays for you when you don't have the words, mm-hmm. and like, with groanings that can't be put into words. And like, I think that yes perfectly sums that up. It's just that feeling of you've got somebody fighting for you, and you've got somebody... Basically just expressing what you can't even express. Yes. Yes. Because you don't, you can't even put it into words what you're feeling and what you're thinking. What did you learn about yourself through all of that? I learned, I learned how to trust God. And I learned that I'm a control freak. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to control it all. And I couldn't, I couldn't fix this. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I think it was. The biggest thing that's ever happened to me where I finally had to let it go. Like, truly give it all to God because I I couldn't fix it. I couldn't do anything. It was only Him that could do it. Looking back now, what do you wish that you could either tell yourself or maybe somebody else going through that that you didn't know at the time or couldn't see at the time? I would say not... To be ashamed of it mm-hmm. is what I would tell somebody now. Because I was, in a weird way, like I was ashamed of it. You didn't want to talk about it. Right. Um, I believe there probably were other people going through it. But I didn't know because people didn't talk about it. And I didn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, Do you think that would have helped if, like, yeah. if somebody had opened up to you and told you, like, you know, if they had gone through something similar, if they had opened up and said, hey, this is what I went through, even if it wasn't exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I do. I do, and I think you need to tell people so that they can pray for you. Right. Because like you said, when, you know, the Holy Spirit can go for you, but you can also have these people mm-hmm. that know, whether they've been through it or not, that know what you're going through and that can pray for you. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell a whole lot of people, but I had a core group of friends that I told. And um, one of the most amazing nights of this whole thing was about a week or two before I was going to have IVF the first time. Mm-hmm. My friend hosted all these people that knew over to her house. And they had dessert and coffee. And they all brought verses mm-hmm. on cards. And I literally still have a ring, and it has everybody who wrote a note in the Bible verses. And they literally laid hands on me in the middle of the living room and prayed for me. And it was the most amazing, (laughs) amazing night ever. And I tell them, I'm like, I have my ring of cards. It goes everywhere with me. (laughs) It went to the hospital both times I gave birth. I mean, it's always there. So... I would say that you don't need to be ashamed about it. It's not some kind of punishment. Like, almost at the beginning, I almost thought I was being punished. I think a lot of people would feel that way. Like, okay, what did I do? Yeah. I do think it helped me examine my spiritual life. Um, I don't think there was something I was doing to right. keep me from it, but or to keep me from getting pregnant. But I feel like I felt that way at first. Mm-hmm. Um, as like, I'm being punished for something I did. Mm -hmm. So I want people to know that 
it's not anything you did and don't be ashamed of it because there are people that have been through it and I know me and I'm sure you welcome people to tell me hey I'm going through this can you pray for me or you know I want to be able to help people because I have been through it and I know what it's like right and I have you know come out to the other side I guess you could say but I would just say don't be ashamed of it and just trust God 100% even when it's hard even when you feel at your lowest Mm -hmm. to just lean on him that's good have you been able to help other people through infertility and IVF and all everything since then yeah I have um yes there's been people that you know I kind of have been more vocal, not this vocal. Thank you for right. this opportunity. No, seriously, thank you for this opportunity because I want to tell, you know, I want to be someone that somebody can come to. Right. Um, but yes, there have been um, people at church. There have been coworkers, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I know, I know what you're going through. Like, okay, you know, how are your numbers today? Like, yeah. let me, let me know the specifics so I can go. I mean, you don't have to let me know the specifics, right. but. Let me know so that I can pray for you. Since going through it, it's amazing how many people really and truly are going through it right, in yeah. some form. And I think it's very important that people share their story because yes. I don't want anybody to feel alone because I didn't want to be alone in it. Yeah. And that can be a very lonely time and a very dark time and very hard to deal with when you think you're alone because the devil wants us to be alone. He wants to isolate us and make us feel like we're the only ones. Yep. Or that it's something that we've done or something we deserve when that's not true at all. I saw a a Toby Mac quote the other day. It said, um, you were assigned this mountain to prove that it can be moved. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, (laughs) that's pretty good. You know, with God, it can be moved. And that's, I think that's why we should share our stories for sure. Definitely. Would you be willing to maybe say a prayer for anyone going through infertility or IVF? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Dear Lord, we come to you now, Lord. I pray that you be with anyone right now, Lord, who's trying to have a baby, who's trying to conceive. Lord, maybe it be that they've just started trying or they've been trying for a long time. Lord, we know, I know how lonely that can be. God, I pray that you just comfort them and that... You just help them through this time. Lord, help them to be bold. Help them to to reach out to someone so that they're not alone during this. God, help them know to know that you are there and you're not ever going to leave them and that you will see them through this. And God, that when there are days that they feel like they can't go on, that they can because of you and that you will be there every step of the way. Lord, I truly believe that if you put the desire to be a mother on a woman's heart, if you put that desire there, that you will see it come to. Lord, whether it be biologically adoption somehow. And Lord, I just pray that these women have faith and just lay it all, give it all to you, Lord. And so that you can help them and comfort them through this time. Lord, help them to reach out to people um, and so that more people can pray on their behalf. Help them to know that you're never going to leave them and they're going to make it to the other side of this valley of this time of their life 
and realize how you've blessed them and how grateful they are. Lord, we just pray for anyone who's going through this, Lord, to fully rely on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't God amazing? Just listening to Randy's story and how she found her strength and comfort in God through all of that is just incredible. It also reminds us that life truly is a miracle. Like she said, you can scientifically do everything right, but only God can actually make life happen. Millions of things have to line up just perfectly for that baby to have that spark of life, and that doesn't happen by chance. It's all God. Now, I want to encourage those of you who are battling with infertility just to pour out your heart to God. He is our creator and sustainer. He is the giver of life itself. I know it's hard. I know it's lonely. But you are not alone. You have the Prince of Peace himself with you when you believe in Jesus Christ. And nothing can compare to having the God of our universe walking with you, listening to you, and and caring for you even when you're going through those hard times. I know that all of this is easier said than done, but I promise that God will get you through this. You don't know true peace and true comfort until you've received it. Don't let the enemy, meaning Satan, the father of lies, tell you that you're alone because it is not true. We're weaker when we're alone and the enemy knows this and he will use this to his advantage. Instead, pour your hurt out to God. Invite him into it. Trust that he will handle it. Will it always go the way we think it will go? No, but we can trust that God in his infinite wisdom knows what he's doing. And his word says that he works together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purposes. When you trust God like that, peace will come. As you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you too. And he can use even the darkest times for good. That's a promise. I also want to challenge you to find someone you trust. Tell them what you're going through. Ask them to pray for you. That way, when you feel like you don't have strength to go on, you can borrow some of their strength. They can fight for you too. We are stronger together. And when you put your story out there, you'll realize that more people than you thought have gone through the same thing or are still going through it. You are never alone. Have the courage to go there. Have the hard conversation invite God and others into what you're going through. I'm not saying you have to broadcast every detail to the world, but find your people who will fight with you through this and lay it out there for them. You don't have to go through this by yourself. Thank you for listening to Let's Go There. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you get all the new episodes as they are released. And I would love to hear from you. Sometimes it seems like I'm talking to the void and just hoping the right person hears what God wants me to say. So please leave a review to tell me how this has encouraged you. And reviews help others find this podcast too. I hope you will join me next time as we continue to discuss infertility and other pregnancy-related issues. Have a great day.